You're listening to Witch Wednesdays, your weekly podcast source for all things witchcraft in the modern world. Join your hosts, Steph and Tara, every Wednesday morning as they dive into a new witchy topic. Welcome back to Witch Wednesdays. This is Steph. And this is Tara. And you are listening to episode 23, Sigils and Runes. Woohoo! So we decided to group these together because um, they often get confused, but they are not the same thing. They are not. They're actually quite different, but we also don't have much to say on either topic because neither of us use them, really. <laughs> <laughs> that, is, that is true. So we can at least give you the background, though, of um, what each one is. So... We will start with runes then, and then go into why sigils are not the same thing. So runes come from um, the first century Germanic languages in Europe, and they are the characters of several different alphabets from this time period, and it's rooted in Norse culture and mythology. Yeah. So as um, Christianity spread throughout Europe, rune characters were gradually replaced with the Latin letters that we use in today's alphabet. Um, but rune characters never um, completely disappeared. And they were revived in the 20th century, along with um, the resurfacing of many spiritual practices like witchcraft. Um, the complete history of the runes is not exa- exactly known. Um, because a lot of how they are used now relies completely on the intention of the user. Um, So there's a lot of variation in the meanings um, of the various symbols. So runes are used similar to tarot. So they're a means of divination. So like tarot, each card has like a traditional, if you're using the Rider Waite deck, each card has a traditional meaning, but beyond that you know base meaning is further open to interpretation based on you know the question and the user and what else they see in the cards and are feeling at that time and runes are similar they all have like a basic meaning but the reader is going to infer more from them based on what the intention is what the question is yes so runes come in a set um most sets come with 24 stones um and they're they can be stones, but they can also be like wood, like slices or chunks or plastic pieces. Um, and they have the runes engraved on them and usually come with a blank stone. Um, some ha- There are some, you know, sets that have a variation of characters, but it's generally this 24 because um, these symbols are based on what's called the Elder Futhark Alphabet. And it is the alphabet that was used from the 2nd to the 8th century CE. In the 8th century, it was replaced by the younger Futhark that has less symbols. But when you use runes in divination, it's the elder Futhark alphabet that's being used. But unlike tarot, they're not all the same. Like, the symbols that are most commonly used are the same. But like she said, there's sometimes 24. There's sometimes more or less thrown in there. Usually there's 24. Um, but I did want to say they're not quite like tarot as in, you're not going to get a set that's exactly the same, whether it's wood or plastic or, or rock (laughs) stone. Yes. Yeah. Um, when you do get a set, it should include, um, 
a booklet of what yes. they mean. Um, if you, so um, the other option is to make them yourself. So that is a more traditional way to add them um, because then it's more attuned with your own magic, but I think it's perfectly fine to, to purchase them as a set. Cause they make, there's some beautiful sets out there. There are some gorgeous sets. Some of the wood yeah. ones are like hand carved, beautiful, like just yeah. gorgeous. And they have, and they have ones that are like carved into like rose quartz stones. Like mm-hmm. they're super pretty. Oh yeah. There's some um, really gorgeous ones out there. So I think it's perfectly fine to purchase them. Um, it's just like the same as any other, you know, tools that you get. If you're going to get, you know, Oracle decks or crystals or tarot cards or whatever you want to, um, imprint your own energy on those um and this would be the same way but if you do want to make them there are a lot of online resources that will give you the general alphabet um to start with um and has like the interpretations of each of those like most common symbols and don't be afraid to buy a set as you work on yours because if you're going to use them very extensively um, it's going to take time to find the perfect stones or carve exactly how you want them. Uh, also, don't be afraid of like nicks or scratches or little imperfections because that makes them that makes them more yours. But at the same time, if you're like me or Steph, it's going to take you a while because you want it to as close to perfect as possible. <laughs> <laughs> yes, of course. <laughs> uh, so, how would you use? runes in your practice like we said it can be used both as a divination tool and in spell work so um each of the runes has a specific meaning like we said and you can um use them for any sort of like magical workings or for divinations so if you want to use them for divination you use them similar to a tarot card and the reason uh, you can you can absolutely have both if runes and tarot cards speak to you and you're very into divination, you can use both. Runes tend to be um, for more specific questions, whereas tarot can give you a general reading of what's going to happen in a certain aspect of your life. Um, you know, overall career, you know, tarot can tell you those things. Runes are um, a little bit more specific. Um, runes are also, you know, based on the materials we told you that they can be made out of um they're clearly an earth element so if you feel very connected to the earth um when that's something you work with in your practice you might find that you work better with runes than you do with tarot cards in terms of divination yes as Uh, to how to use them for divination i would say they're slightly more in uh, you can get more in-depth answers than like the pendulum which we had previously talked about but yeah they don't go quite as into the story of your life is tarot. Yes. So how you would actually go about using them. Um, they should be cleansed before each use the same way that you cleanse crystals or a tarot deck. Um, you can put them in moonlight or run them through incense smoke. We talked about all those different cleansing methods. And then the runes are what are traditionally known as cast it. You cast runes. That's what it's called. Um, you generally hold them and shake them, or if you keep them in a little bag, you sort of mix them up in the bag um, while focusing on your specific question. And you pour them onto um, a cloth on a flat surface. So from here, um, there's a lot of various ways to choose them and read them. For beginners, it's best to just start by like hand picking one rune out of your set. Um, you know, just don't look at them, obviously, but just reach in and grab which one is calling to you. Mm-hmm. Um, 
instead of, you know, casting a whole bunch of them across the cloth. But um, as you get a little more in tune with your runes, get a little better at the readings, they, um, they have various like spreads online that you can look into that are similar to tarot spreads where they have, they have a past, present, future spread, just like tarot, um, mm-hmm. and different ways that you can um, read them and cast them. Um, and they will give you guidance on your um, question or whatever it is that you're ruminating on. I know a lot of people when they're first getting started, they tend to keep their runes in a nice cloth bag uh, on or near their altar. And then they can just reach in and grab one for a quick question and answer. What should I do next kind of thing? Exactly. So for using them in spell work, runes are considered good for protection. So you can also use runes to cast protection spells. And you can use the rune symbols throughout your practice. If there's a certain symbol that calls to you or um, is reflective of a certain, you know, point that you're in in your life and that symbol um, really calls to you, speaks to you in your magical practice, you can incorporate that into the rest of your workings in the same way that you would sigils. I See what I did is, there? I was going to say, I think these are why people get them confused. <laughs> See what I did there? <laughs> So let's jump into sigils. This is why they are not the same thing. Um, but we definitely understand why it can be confusing because when you some sigils that you would draw look exactly like those sort of glyphs that are on the rune um, yes. stones. So I completely understand why people get these confused. And since you can use the, the symbols that are on the runes, you can use them as sigils. I see why um, the confusion exists. Um, but the sigil is an intention that you condense into a single glyph. Um, So they're incredibly useful because they're coded with your um, unique magical purpose and they can be deciphered only by you. Yes. Um, So they are especially good for witches who are not out of the broom closet yet because you are the only one that knows what that sigil means. You can draw it on anything and nobody's going to know that you are a practicing witch. Yes. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, there are a ton of ways once you have designed a sigil, which we'll get into in a minute of how to actually activate it and use it. Um, you can draw them into the bottom of a pie crust before baking. I think that's like something that Tara and I do because we're, you know, hearth, hearth witches. So it's very easy to use sigils in, um, cooking in kitchen witchcraft because you can like make the sigil even if you're stirring something you can stir in the direction of your sigil so it's very useful in the kitchen um you can carve it into firewood or um, candles before you burn them so if you are big on candles in your witchcraft um if you have a sigil that you're using for a um money spell let's say that you created a drawing then you could also use a color candle that's associated with money like we talked about and carve that sigil into it just to make your intention even stronger mm-hmm. um, you can paint it, the sigil on rocks and um, bury them or set them out for decoration on your altar um, you can have jewelry created in that shape or stick it on the back of the jewelry like there's a lot of possibilities of how you can use it yeah it's very 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 versatile and having said that Steph and I don't use them a lot I still use sigils just because they are so versatile. Like, I just don't use them exclusively or 
as often as other things in my practice, but they are very versatile. So if you find one and you create one that works for you, don't be afraid to use it everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I agree. Um, I would say that I don't use them as much because I am not artistically inclined. (laughs) Like I'm just, I've never been great at sort of like the artsy side like my handwriting is atrocious like I don't really like painting and drawing and like things like that and um it's just kind of a creative method of drawing that I'm not into (laughs) yeah I'm not good at it either that's also I'm a perfectionist so I'm like it doesn't look right and then I fiddle with it and fiddle with it and fiddle with it and then I get frustrated and then I do something else but (laughs) so before you can use it in your magical practice, we should probably tell you how you can create your own sigil. Yeah, that's kind of important stuff. <laughs> um, so there are, there's no like single method that has to be used. So you just have to experiment to find what works for you. You may want to Google search if this is something that you think um, could be very useful to you. And I want to Google search into circle grids or Saturn grids. Those are two different methods where the in the circle grid, the alphabet is written out and um, in the Saturn grid, numbers are written out and you spell out the word, like let's say you're, it's money or protection. And there's a certain way that you would start and then follow the letters around like the circle or the numbers associated to the letters around the Saturn grid. And it kind of guides you in how to create that sigil. Um, either method, they end up looking similar um, so it's kind of interesting if you've never looked into those just to see how it works. But yeah. um, you can also just completely create them from scratch. So what you would do is just writing down your intention, set any intention, um, you know, protection or money are big ones, but um, you would just write generally, like, just write down the word protection. Um, and then from there, you kind of want to use the letters to condense it down into one single, you know, drawing. Yeah. Um, A good way to do that is to, you know, remove any of the vowels or any repeating letters. So it gets shorter and shorter. Uh, And you can simplify the letters by uh, breaking them down into like similar shapes and lines into like different lines or curves. And then you can arrange the different shapes, sort of make them connect together and try to fit them into one single glyph. Um, it ends up being kind of like a weird little like blob, but um, just keep trying until you find something that you like, just keep rearranging it. And that's why it's kind of tough for me personally to make sigils because my brain just doesn't really work that way. Where it's just like, yeah keep keep creating and keep moving things around until you find what I like I am much more you know like structured and by the book like if I do make a sigil I use one of the grid methods that we talked about like actually get the grid out and and draw it like that just makes more sense to to my brain and and that's kind of where I have the problem is the rearranging because I'm like what if it goes over better over here over here over here over here over here over here and then if it never looks quite right in like five tries I get frustrated so (laughs) Yeah, that's, I agree. That's just, it makes it a little more um, difficult (laughs) for me. Um, Some people that are creative, though, do awesome at sigils. They have just beautifully flowing lines, and they all connect, and they have purpose and intention, and I'm jealous, but I, (laughs) my brain doesn't work that way. Yeah, I I completely agree, but they can be incredibly useful. They Um, can, yeah. 
because they're they're so personal and that's like one of the uh, hallmarks of witchcraft is to just make it your own um, mm-hmm. and that's like one of the ways that you can be the most personal in in your practice yeah um in order to activate it it's usually enough just to draw it and to um infuse your intention into it as you're drawing it um but also the act of destroying it also creates um an activation so you want to kind of think about um how you can in order to activate it how you can change it so what i mean is um like in baking in the pie crust um that changes as it gets baked um, yep and the same, like, if you were to draw a sigil in the steam in the shower as, like, it steams up again, it disappears. So you kind of want to think about that. Like, burning it would be the same way as that, it, you know, once it's burnt, then your intention is activated. Um, so if you do use these methods where you destroy them, it can also be helpful to include um, your sigils in your Book of Shadows or Grimoire if you're keeping one of those that we talked about yes. a while a few weeks ago. Um, it's a good way to write those down. So if you want to use them in the future and you can track which ones were, um, seemingly successful for you. So it's a good way of, um, keeping track of all of those. (laughs) And like we said, they're so versatile and they're so personal, but you can definitely use the same sigil again. If you find one that really works, for instance, protection, I have one that I've used in the past for protection. It's never not been effective for me. So it's not like I'm not going to use it ever again because I need to make a whole new sigil. Like this one has worked for me. This one is personal to me. If I'm doing spell work involving protection, I still use the same one. So that's why writing it down is so important because it's not like it becomes unpersonal the more you use it. <laughs> right. So yes, we I do not often use sigils. There's certain ones I will use in cooking, but that's pretty much it. And um, runes I are one... Um, method of divination that I really don't use just because I feel like I connect and understand tarot and oracle decks better um, than I do runes um, and pendulums. I like pendulums a lot better. So I, am, I don't, I don't have a set of runes, but they are beautiful. I have to say. I think they're beautiful and I want some, but I think it's the same as tarot. My brain just doesn't see the big picture the same way as uh, they're trying to tell me. So I stick with the pendulum, yes, no, more or less. Like the very <laughs> simple ones I get. Um, I would love to know more about runes. I just recently read a book on runes, just trying to learn more. And it was like a foreign language to me, honestly. Like it was a really well-written book and I really enjoyed it. And I was like, I do not understand at the end. <laughs> so my yeah. brain just does not work this way. <laughs> yeah, they, yeah, it is a completely completely different language. Um, but if you are, you know, interested in it and sort of just dipping your toes um, into uh, divination in general, then runes can be a really good way to start because they, since they're based on that, you know, 24 alphabet, that is way less than tarot cards. (laughs) Oh yeah. Way less. So there are way less things to memorize and learn than um, there are with tarot. So if you don't feel particularly like you like the idea of divination, but don't feel particularly drawn to tarot or don't want to learn all of the different tarot cards, I totally understand that. um, Then runes might work a lot better for you. And I would think that they work, um, better for people who are a little more creatively inclined <laughs> than Tara and I are. <laughs> you know, you're a little more like messy and artistic in your witchcraft and you might be drawn to runes and also sigils more than we are. 
Yes. Um, also, they're just so pretty sometimes. Yeah. They can't be understated. <laughs> I'm all about if it's aesthetically pleasing and it works, grab it with both hands and use it all the time. Like, <laughs> Amen to so that. Pretty. So pretty. <laughs> that is all we have for you this week for rooms and schedules. Please let us know on Instagram or send us an email. Uh, if you use either of these in your practice, um, we would love to see any photos that you have of yours. Please tag us on Instagram. If you have a set, we want to see all the different options. Uh, I'm not going to lie. I was going, that is not part of her outline. And I was going to be like, please take photos. I want to see all the pretty ones that you use. <laughs> please, please let us see them. <laughs> please let us see the prettiness. Yeah. Let oh, us live vicariously through you so we don't have to go out and buy runes. <laughs> uh, so we're recording this a little early and I have a shopping problem. So I am trying not to buy all the things that I talk about on this show. And I'm like, mm, runes, even though I don't use them, I could get a pretty set. <laughs> See, we got a problem. Please, please, we do. Seriously, <laughs> show us, show us your rooms. Yes. Uh, all right, we will see you next week. All right, bye. Follow us on Insta. Thanks for listening to Witch Wednesdays with Steph and Tara. Love our content. Consider donating at anchor.fm slash witch-wednesdays to help keep our podcast up and running. Please leave us a voicemail on that same site if you have any questions or comments, and follow us on Instagram at Witch Wednesdays Podcast.